listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter as well at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account on Twitter at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the Astros Future Podcast, we will talk about the weekend series that just wrapped up with Oakland, some initial thoughts on the club so far, some Carlos Correa extension talk, and look at some prospects who might be able to help the Astros later on this year. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. Uh, man, I am, I'm so happy that baseball is back, and I, I couldn't have dreamed up a better way for the Astros to start the 2021 season than how they've played the last four games in Oakland. Yeah, it couldn't have been scripted any better, Jimmy. Um, uh, Four-game sweep of the defending uh, division champs. Although it was still a shortened season last year, they did win the division, but we still bounced them in the playoffs whenever we played them. Bats came alive, uh, got back to normal. Altuve looks like he's back. Um, everything just looked great. And I read just before we started this that we're the first team since the Yankees in 2003 to score at least eight runs in each of our first four games. Yeah, that, that's 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 pretty phenomenal. The the offense just looked. I mean, I I really can't sit here and, and pick out a, even someone to to really pick on. I mean, we'll we'll get to Correa a little bit later, but pretty much everyone had some kind of contribution over the last four games. You know, one through nine, um, even with you know uh, Jason Castro with the homer today. But yeah, just a, a really good way to start the season, and I think it feels better too because. You know, you look at Matt Chapman, he, he said something about, uh, you know, about the Astros kind of being a rival and that, you know, they won the division last year. So it's kind of their crown, not ours. Um, and he's a leader of their team. So if he's feeling that way, I would imagine a lot of other players on the athletics are feeling the same way. And for the Astros to go into Oakland and, and win four games in, in this convincing of a fashion is really just really a huge statement to start the season. Yeah, and, and like you said, it was a very convincing fashion. It was they weren't close games. We we basically beat them into submission every single game. Um, you know, I, I I saw what Chapman said before the opener, and I know he mentioned in there that they view us as their rival. Until he said that, I never really looked at the Oakland A's as a rival of ours. Um, to me, our rival just it's just natural as the Texas Rangers because of the Houston Dallas rivalry. But outside of the Rangers. The only other rival that I would consider the Astros that ha- that we have is the Yankees, and that's just because we meet them almost every year in the playoffs, and we send them home every year in the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe they see us as a rival, um, but I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I never, I never looked at Oakland and thought, oh, that's a rival. That's a rival series that we got to go win. You know, we've had good battles with them, but yeah, it's never been like that. And in the division, it always felt like the Rangers, regardless if they were if they were having success or not, it always felt like the team that we're the rival against because of, you know, the, the, like you mentioned, the Houston Dallas rivalry. So, you know, we'll go back to Thursday opening day Astros win eight to one. Zach Grinke goes out there, has a good start. The offense, uh, you know, blows up. Bregman has a Homer. 
uh, man, just just a really good start to the season. And it's it's really crazy. Um, and that this run had started prior to the Astros, you know, finally coming into their own and being a successful team. But the fact that they have won opening day every year since since they went to the AL since 2013 is um, it's, it's truly remarkable, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially considering those first three or four years, we were terrible. Um, well, the first two or three years we were terrible. Then we started getting, you know, a little bit mediocre. And then we just jumped right on into being a World Series contender. But, yeah, that opening day, that was a heck of a game. Um, my biggest takeaway from opening day was Bregman's bomb. It was just amazing to see, uh, you know, those fans up there that rooted for Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire for all those years get on the Astros and we're booing them like crazy. And then Bregman hits that powerful Homer uh, to left field and then pimped it by watching it for like a good, what, three or four seconds before right. he started running. That was amazing. I just loved it. I love having players like Bregman on our team. Oh, for sure. He's a, he's a, a blast to watch a guy that, you know, yeah, definitely plays with emotion in a, in a good way, you know, and, uh, but man, just to, it's funny because after the game, you know, there's there's articles that uh, we're talking about the athletics crowd and how they were so loud with the booing and stuff. And I'm sitting here like you're you're saying, hey, good job to the crowd for booing. And they lost eight to one, you know, like, I mean, at what point do you sit there and start booing your own club because you just got swept in a four game series, you know, versus booing something that happened, you know, years ago, uh, especially for a lot of these guys that weren't even on the team then, you know, it's just maybe eventually the booing will probably stop. I mean, it's going to be hard to, to continue to boo, I guess, when your team sucks or they have nothing else to root for. So they, they say, screw it. We'll just continue to, to boo the Astros. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, that the A's fans are taking this so personally when that year they were below 500 back in 2017, they weren't even in the mix for a playoff spot at all. You know, it's not like the Astros edged them out of uh, the division or a wild card or even beat them in the playoffs. It's just, it's so odd just to see how, angry they are and I know we have uh, the Angels coming up and if you remember last offseason before COVID hit there was a group of fans out there on the west coast that were planning to go to Anaheim to like get together like a groups of fans from like the Dodgers the A's the Angels but they were planning to go to Anaheim to just boo the Astros relentlessly mm -hmm. so I you know I don't know if they're still planning on that or what but um just really interesting that they take it so personally when they weren't any good they've got two or three guys on their squad this year that were on the 2017 mm -hmm. Astros including the rat so yep. not quite sure why they're so upset yeah no it, it, <laughs> I'm with you man but either way it was nice to see the you know see the Astros uh, really put it to the A's you know like you mentioned a little bit earlier there they were all convincing it wasn't any close games you know and you go from from opening night to boom the next night they put up nine runs, you know, Christian Javier struggles a little bit, uh, came out of, you know, came out of the game a little early, bullpen gave up some runs. Uh, but even then, you know, the, 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 the team found a way to put up another nine runs. Jordan had, you know, that the, the big bomb and man, it's just, they're, they're this, this team, the, the offense is, you know, we talked about it last week about how the strong point of this team was going to be the offense. And so far, uh, man, they have, they have done exactly what we expected. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Jordan. I was watching him the other day, man. He just looks like a linebacker out there playing baseball. He's huge. He's probably got so much natural power that it's just uncanny, you know. Uh, Brantley, you know, he hit his third straight home run on opening day. He's had a home run on opening day every day that he's been a member of the Houston Astros. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you mentioned Bregman earlier, Altuve was looking good. Yuli looked great. Yuli had a great series. Uh, that's one guy that, you know, Last year kind of struggled some, but if he gets back to that 2019 form, man, we're going to go seven deep in that lineup 
that's a lethal, lethal lineup. Yeah, we talked about that last week about how the top six looks looks really good, and we wondered, you know, where what where's Yuli going to be at? Where's he at in this? And then, yeah, he had a he had a really good series. You know, today he had that big two run double to, to right center that kind of you know blew the game open. And um, yeah, he's been hitting the ball all over. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's good, really good to see him back to what we expect. Uh, you know, because like I said, if he's if he's back to his uh, 2019 form, man, we're looking at a top seven that's just as good as it was in 2019. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, one other thing about Jordan, you know, with him coming off those um, knee injuries, he's out there running, hustling around. He went first. He, he was on first, scored, slid into home. He was running hard. Didn't look to be any issues at all. So, I, you know, it looks like he's 100% healthy. Yeah, I saw that today. It's always like a little worrisome, you know, when you see a guy coming off the knee injuries that, you know, he doesn't need to run to be successful. And you see him sprinting from third to home and then sliding in. But, uh, he he did it. Did his nice little slide into home. Was safe on the on the Uli, you know uh, RBI double. Um, continued to play, no issues. So that that's definitely good moving forward. Uh, but you mentioned Michael Brantley and you know the third straight opening day with the home run and just watching that guy hit is truly is truly amazing, man. The guy just he just puts the ball wherever he wants. I mean everything he was hitting, you know, the first two games, you know, prior to him getting hit in the wrist, everything he was hitting was just line drives, homers, doubles. Uh, and just the perfect guy to have at the number two, number three hole in your lineup. And, you know, bring, I know it was unfortunate to lose Springer to Toronto, but bringing back Michael Brantley was a, was a, a really big deal. And, you know, it would have been hard to over, overcome the loss of both of them. So getting him back was huge. Oh, absolutely. Brantley is just he, he's just a hitting machine. And um, I, I really don't even know how else to describe him other than that. He can put the ball wherever he wants, just like you said. Perfect two hole hitter. I love how, you know, his presence at the top of the lineup were able to go righty, lefty, righty, lefty, basically all the way down to the six, six or seven hole if we want. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's, it, and I think, you know, Dusty has been, um, you know, he went with the traditional lineup for the first couple games. Then when uh, Bregman got the day off, he put Diaz in at the three hole today, he switched up a little bit, but there's just so many options. Like you mentioned with having a, a Tucker and a Brantley and an Alvarez and being able to split those guys up where you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, someone coming in just trying to trying to focus on getting lefties out. You know, I mean, it, it's yeah, you got a lefty and then a power righty in Bregman, then a lefty and then a power righty in Correa. Um, and, and man, this lineup is just it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, it, it's insanely loaded. And, and like you were just saying, if everything clicks and continues to click, we're going to rival our squad from just two years ago when we went to the World Series. You know, and then yeah, exactly. And uh, looking, watching Altuve and seeing what he's been, you know, doing these first few games has, has been it's been really fun to see him um, kind of back to his usual self, you know, slapping hits all over, using his speed. He beat out a couple, uh, at least one infield hit. Um, the, the tag he had from third base on the pop-up that was, you know, maybe six feet out of the infield. And he was able to, I mean, I think he was like going like 30.4 feet per second on the way home or something like that. I mean, it was, I forgot exactly what it was. It was, it was crazy that how fast he was going. Um, and, you know, he hasn't lost any speed since he was that, you know, elite on-base speed guy that he was, you know, a few years ago. So getting him back to what we expected him at the top of the lineup is, is going to be really huge this year. Absolutely. Getting Prime Altuve back is, is absolutely key, and it's huge for us. But not only that, just having him slide into that leadoff spot in place of Springer, um, I mean, not taking anything away from George, but, I mean, it's not like we're going to lose too much right there because Altuve's on base, like, all the time. 
You know, I mean, it, I mean, we're going to lose a little bit of pop because obviously Springer has much more pop, but it's still great that we had someone right there in house that's proven who can be that table setter for us, that um, leadoff hitter. Right, and you know, you think about it too. Is uh, this offense the reason it, it's still looking good? Is because, you know, you really point to Kyle Tucker. You know, in 2019, you had Alvarez and Springer. You know, that were killing it. Then last year, you have Springer, and then Tucker comes up, has a phenomenal season. But Alvarez is hurt. Well, now Springer's gone. You got Jordan and uh, in Tucker in there. So it's it, it, like we mentioned last week. It's unfortunate to lose a guy like Springer, but I think the additions of Jordan back having Tucker into a second full season like this is really going to make the offense still be elite. Um, and we saw that so far this weekend. Well, yeah. And plus look at the confidence Dusty has in Tucker. He was hitting him cleanup for the first, yep. what, two, three games of the series. I mean, that's, that's huge. And it's not like he didn't earn it. That's great. I mean, he ended up swapping him out with Jordan today because Jordan was just a complete monster. Those first three games of the, of the uh, series, but Tucker was no slouch. He was, I think he came into today, or started the day uh, leading the league in RBIs. He was just, he's been great as well. And just the fact that we have that guy right there ready to just be plugged into the top of the lineup um, in, in a run producing capacity is just amazing. Yeah, definitely. And we've been spending so much time talking about the offense. I don't want to forget to talk about some of the pitching that we saw this weekend too. And, you know, Lance McCullers coming off his, the contract he signed, um, had, a, had a rough first inning, you know, really rough first inning, got out of there with just the one run. And the next thing you know, he goes five innings, gives up just the one run. I think finished with seven strikeouts and really got back to the Lance that we saw. And he, I uh, listened to a little clip that he had after, or said afterwards, and he was talking about, um, you know, that he was uh, he was out there. It was, you know, excited to kind of be back on the mound and thinks he might have had some issues with mechanics and was trying to temper himself a little bit. Uh, and that might have messed him a little in the first inning. But after that first inning, he got he got cruising. And, man, if that guy stays healthy and pitches, you know, like we expect him to, uh, the the rotation still has a chance to be so freaking good on top of already having a really, really good lineup. Right. Absolutely. Like we, we do have a, a really good rotation. Once Framber comes back, we'll be able to plug him right in. And we've got some guys at the upper levels of the minors that can be plugged in as well for spot starts here and there, or in case somebody, you know, has to miss some time and go on the disabled list for, for any reason. But, you know, Lance, yeah, I kind of chalked it up yesterday. I didn't hear his uh, soundbite that you just mentioned, so that's good to, to hear. But I kind of chalked it up to just him. You know how Lance is. He was probably getting really crunk for the season opener. He, know, oh, yeah. he knows that they were booing like crazy. And you know how he is. He's that gamer. He probably just wanted to, you know, shove it right back to him, you know. And um, But, I mean, either way, he ended up having a, a pretty good game. He went five innings, which is what we needed. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the best is ahead for, for Lance. For sure. And then you look at you look at today, you know, Jose Arquiti, he only went four and a third and he allowed the two runs. But, man, he gets relieved by Brandon Belak and he goes four and two thirds inning, you know, perfect innings the rest of the way. Strikes out four, doesn't walk anybody, doesn't allow a hit. Um, and, man, it just, you know, to, to have a guy coming out of the bullpen like that, a guy who was competing for the fifth starter to come in and, and, and have an outing like that in relief of Arquiti is, is really nice. He was a guy I was really high on last year and, you know, he got some opportunities and struggled a little bit. Uh, but, you know, they were talking about it on the broadcast today. You know, if you have, um, you know, Luis Garcia and, uh, you know, Brandon Belak, you know, as your as your potential fifth starter, swing man, whatever, you know, you can essentially choose. You can play the matchup. If you think Garcia's stuff does better against this certain team or Belak stuff does better, you know, you can choose who you want to start. Um, and we talked about it, how the bullpen could be a little bit of a concern. And, you know, they had a little bit of struggle in, in the second game of the season. But after that, they. They, they've been really, really good so far. 
And Belak has basically stepped into that Colin McHugh role that we uh, used to see from him. You know, former starter turned long reliever, um, helps us out where we need it, can make some spot starts if, if need be. I mean, you, you need guys like that, you know, and Belak was great today. Like you said, he had, he had four and two thirds perfect innings. He was amazing. Uh, he came in, uh, inherited one runner on third. I think that guy ended up scoring, but that wasn't any, any fault of his. He was already on third with only one mm-hmm. out, but he worked out of that really well. He played great. This was his first appearance of the series, and it came at the most perfect time because we needed him to go the distance, and he did. Yeah, for sure. Now, a, a wonderful performance by him, and hopefully he can keep that up. Like, if man, if he can go into that Colin McHugh role where he can start some games, can pitch some games, you know, three or four innings like he did today, that would be – that would be really big for the team. And, you know, after everything that us as fans have kind of had to deal with with the team recently with the, the cheating thing and then the 2020 season, and then, you know, they played really well in the playoffs and ultimately didn't, you know, get where they felt they needed to, to, to come out and make a statement like they've made to, to the whole league, you know, to the AL West, to the athletics, to Mike Fires, whoever you want, whoever you want to say, to come out and make a statement like that and just drop bombs on, on Oakland – for four straight games and, and just blow them out, man. It's, it's such a, it's such a good feeling as a fan to see the team come out, start hot, get their confidence up. And, and man, right now, you know, looking at what we've seen through four games and I don't want to you know be that guy that's uh, too optimistic, but if they continue what they've done through four games, man, this team can go really, really far this year. Well, a couple of things on that, you know, last year, obviously COVID, but not just with COVID, it was such a, a crazy season for the Astros given the cheating scandal and all of that. Um, you know, Verlander went down with Tommy John. We had injuries all over the place. We, we limped into the playoffs, and I think we had a 29-31 and 31 record, so a losing record. And the only reason we got in was because of the extra team mm-hmm. uh, being let in. Uh, we still made noise and were one game away from the World Series, but, it, you know, it almost felt like, like today – or I'm sorry, this, this weekend, this series was the Astros basically telling all of baseball that, you know, we're still here. We're still legit. Um, last season was not something that uh, is going to be the norm, even though we went to within one game of the World Series. But, but obviously, I mean, the, the bats are back. Um, it's just, it's just, it was just amazing to see. Yep, definitely. And, and, and getting a guy like, like Jordan Alvarez back, man, he, like, I think we talked about it last week too. He, you kind of forget just how freaking good this guy is, you know? And, um, but like you said, yeah, given that statement to the the MLB that, Hey, we are still here. We are still a world series contender, you know? And if you don't know the facts, you can, I'll let Carlos Correa finish that one. We all know, we <laughs> yeah. all know what he said. So, right. All right. Coming right up. We'll take a look at the uh, Carlos Correa contract talks and how that affects the club in the future. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros future podcast presented by Apollo media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. So last week we had uh, the opening day on Thursday, which we were all extremely excited to get to. But also that day brought us a deadline, and that deadline was the Carlos Correa contract extension talks. Thursday came and went. Unfortunately, they were unable to reach an extension with him. Um, you know, we're going to get into it a little bit. But, Brian, just just kind of give me your initial thoughts on that. Well, so I, I – I was hoping that we would re-sign Carlos Correa. I still have hope that we do, um, you know, come to an agreement with him. I, I know he said he's not going to negotiate during the season. Um, I tend to believe him, but, you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, maybe even after the season, maybe we can still re-sign him. So here's my overall thoughts, and I may be all over the place on this. 
I would, I would get on Twitter and, you know, you see this too, Jimmy, um, where the two sides, so you have the sides, the side who, yeah, we need to resign uh, Carlos Correa. And then you have the other side who's like, no, nah, he's not worth it. He can go. And naturally those two sides start bickering and fighting. I'm not necessarily in the middle on that. I am firmly in. I really want to re-sign Carlos Correa. I think the Astros will regret not re-signing him. But at the same time, I don't want to give him $300 million. So, And I have no idea what Carlos Correa was asking for. He, I mean, we know that he wanted a fat, long, large contract or whatever it was, whatever that term was that he used uh, the other day. And he said that the Astros told him that they're not um, willing to do that, which kind of makes it seem like the door is closed there, you know, even though later on James Click said, well, you know, our door is always open. Um, so, you know, on Twitter, getting back to the Twitter comments and stuff like that, you'll see the people that are saying that um, we don't need Carlos Correa. They're automatically assuming that anyone who wants to re-sign Carlos Correa is okay with giving him 10 to 12 years at 300 million plus. That's not the case. And, I, you know, I never, I didn't really get too much into this on Twitter because, I'm not going to get into a Twitter fight with anybody, but um, you know, I, I do want to re-sign Carlos Correa. I, I told, a, I told you and I told a couple other friends this, I have no idea what he's going to get, but I just have this feeling that once he signs, if he ends up signing somewhere else, whatever that deal is, I have this feeling that a lot of us are going to be like, man, why didn't the Astros just give him that deal? You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. And you know, I, I think um, like you said, we, we don't know what he's asking. We can just as- assume that he wants you know, money similar to kind of what Lindor got or, uh, you know, Tatis and the, 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 one of those 10, 12 years, 300 million, but we don't know, you know, and I think it looks like the issue now. And I was, I was talking about this with my brother earlier, but um, is it, is it an annual money issue or is it a, a contract length issue? Cause the, the initial offer was six years, 120 million, 20 million a year decline. They went back and they offered a five-year, $125 million uh, contract. So bumped it up to 25 a year, but only for five years. So if you did that for eight years, right? If you were at eight years, 200, is that something Carlos would potentially sign? If you do a 10-year, 250. So I kind of feel like maybe it wasn't the what they were giving him per year, but maybe the length. And, and it's understandable. You know, with him, he's 26 years old, I think, uh, this year. If he signs a five-year extension, he would be hitting free agency at like, 32 or something right uh, not right. to say that that's a bad thing but I can understand why he would want to get into a nice 10 year eight 10 year deal right now so he is locked up long term and he doesn't have to hit free agency in the the you know the low 30s which is you can still get big deals obviously you see George Springer but it makes right. it a little bit harder but so you talked about kind of where you were at on it and I don't want to feel like the guy that is just right down the middle but man I'm right down the middle with this. I completely understand why a guy like Carlos Correa of his talent and the ability that he has shown on the field at times wants and thinks he's worth a 10-year, $300 million deal. Then at the same time, I completely understand why the Astros don't want to give it to him. You know, you got a guy who has been really good at times, but then at other times hasn't hasn't performed well in the regular season. He's had some, some really good playoffs. But then you look at the injuries, you know, and I, I, I pulled the math, and if my math is right, uh, from 2017 to 2019, he played in 68% of the games possible. You know, so you're going to, you know, potentially pay a guy 25 to 30 million and he's going to miss 30% of the games. I'm not saying this is going to continue to happen, but you can't overlook injuries in the past like that. Um, I know he played majority of the games last year in the shortened season, but it's it just, it's a big risk, I think, to, uh, to give him that big $300 million contract. But like you mentioned, it's also a really big risk uh, risk to just let him walk and not resign him because you know he he has 
the ability. He has the potential. We've seen it in the regular season. We've seen it in the playoffs to be the best shortstop in baseball. You know, and I think right. there's just you, it's a it's a it's a risk reward is essentially where they're at. And uh, you know, I think I think both sides understand the risk involved. Um, you know, and Carlos is just he's going to hold out and uh, and bet on himself, which. If I was him, I would probably be doing the same thing. He knows what talent he has, and if he stays healthy and can put it out there, he will get more than what the Astros offered him. Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned George Springer, and I'm sure even though George is, in a, is a diff- plays a different position than Carlos, I mean, he just saw a, what, 31, 32-year-old George Springer get six years, $150 million. Mm-hmm. We didn't even offer him that. Like you said, we offered him six one hundred and twenty or five one twenty five. We didn't give him at least six one fifty, which – Kind of surprised me. I figured that they would at least go in that range, not saying it's right or wrong, but, you know, he saw his teammate uh, or his former teammate at this point get that. So I'm sure he wants that as well. But also, you know, you mentioned the um, the Francisco Lindor contract that he just signed, which was, what, 10 years and over $300 million. You know, same position as Carlos, although Lindor has been very healthy. Um, he's made more all-star games, all that good stuff. But so, I mean, he he's going to get that from somebody, no question about it. It was just depending on who was going to give it to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Carlos, ego is going to play a big part in this as well for anybody. He's not going to see that deal and then turn around and sign for one that's $100 million less before the season starts. You know what I mean? So even though Lindor is a little bit better than Carlos up to this point, meaning that he's been healthier, he's played more consistently. Um yeah, I, I just can't see Carlos or anybody for that matter who values himself in that same tier as him uh, signing for a, a, a lot less than that with, you know, six years, 120 or five, 125. I, you know, those two deals almost felt like um, I used to refer to this. And I'll have to explain this one day because it would take up too much time right now. But those to me are like a Drake McLean deal. That's whenever you have absolutely no intention of actually re-signing mm-hmm. a player. And you just throw him an offer to say, well, you know, we tried. Right. That's what Drayton did with Carlos Beltran, you know. And I'm not saying that that's what Click did with Correa. But it almost seemed that way whenever you see what the going rate is, you know. And, and the last thing I was going to say about this was, um, or at least the last thing on my mind right now, is that, you know, remember a few years back whenever Carlos's camp was telling then-GM Jeff Luno, you know, we're not going to re-sign until we get to free agency. We're not going to sign a, a, a deal now. That may, I mean, you, you mentioned um, uh, Fernando Tatis in San Diego. He did. He re-signed almost immediately with them, gave him a huge, and he got a huge deal, but he signed really early. From all uh, reports back then, a few years back, Carlos was not willing to do that. So could he have gotten more money if he had signed back then? Maybe, but, you know, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned Lindor and the contract that he got, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous contract, really, and, um, you know, he's been more consistent. Like you said, he's been healthy. I think Carlos Correa's peak has already been better than what Lindor has been. I think Carlos Correa in right. 2017 had a better season than Lindor. But since that 17 season, when he was an all-star, uh, in 2018, he had a 99 OPS plus. So slightly, just slightly below league average. 2019, he had a 138. So a really good season. And then 2020, he had a 92. And I know that was in the shortened season. And it was really hard to take away numbers from that. But over the last three years in the regular season, he just, you know, he had one good and, and two not so good seasons. You know, he, he was really good in the playoffs. Um, but like you said, I, if he would have potentially looked to sign after the 2017 season, maybe he gets more, maybe not uh, inflation and everything. But that was also when the Astros signed Jose Altuve uh, to his big deal. So my hope at this point is that Correa has a good season. The Astros go on, win a World Series, 
and then look at him and say, okay, this guy is worth what he's asking. Um, and maybe Correa takes some kind of little hometown discount to play with Altuve and, and stay here with McCullers, who he's, you know, really, really good friends with um, just to, to stick around and kind of keep this, uh, you know, keep this, uh, um, the franchise, you know, to keep it moving forward. Um, not to say that, you know, not signing a guy like Correa would, would be ending to what they're doing. Um, but, you know, keeping a talent like that would obviously be um, a pretty big deal in trying to, you know, continue to uh, contend for a World Series over the next few years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like when healthy, I'd take Carlos over the door. Absolutely. The problem is, is that when healthy and, you know, Carlos hasn't been uh, a model of consistency when it comes to health. You know what I right. mean? But yep. another thing, I think I think there's two things also that I've seen a lot Um I'm not saying I, I disagree with, but, you know, the first thing for me that I absolutely agree with is, you know, Carlos has been very open. He wants to stay in Houston. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He wants to be here. He, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to stay in Houston. Being a Houston sports fan, we're not used to seeing that from our star athletes. We don't get to hear, yeah, I want to be here forever. I want to do this. I want to do that. We're always hearing from, you know, athletes that want to go to New York, Boston, L.A. I mean, we knew Garrett Cole was either going to go back home to California or go to the Yankees. We knew that. Um, Beltron, what was it, almost 20, 15, 16 years ago, we knew he wanted New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Carlos, we know he wants it here. So that makes it a little bit harder to deal with the fact that he may end up leaving, um, even though he wants to be here. You know, um, I don't know. I just that that's one of those things that, you know, it. I, I guess we'll just have to see, like you said, you know, if we win the World Series and we sign into a long-term deal, that's great. I think one thing, though, that we have to keep in mind here is whenever you see a, a, a great player like that hit free agency and sign a huge mega deal, it's always with some crap-ass team that doesn't have any high-priced uh, players on their team because they're terrible. So, I mean, he could absolutely get what he's wanting. You know, he could get 10 years, 300 million, mm-hmm. but it's going to end up being from like the Orioles or the, or the Marlins or some team like that. that for sure. Well, I say the Marlins, the Marlins have a pretty good farm system. So that could actually be a good deal for him, but, but you know what I mean? Like it's going to end up being like some terrible team that just has to make a splash, you know? Right. And yeah, he's, he can probably get on the open market, you know, what he wants, but he's going to have to figure out is like you said, it is taking maybe a, a 10 year, $300 million deal with Miami worth leaving Houston um, but, you know, I think we, we talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about building the team and losing Springer. Uh, you know, unless yep. you're the Yankees or, or maybe the Dodgers, you're going to have a really hard time re-signing all your free agents and paying them top dollar every single year. You know, and that's where the Astros are. They made the decision to sign Bregman long-term, Altuve long-term. They re-signed Brantley this year, and then they signed McCullers long-term, right? So they decided to let Springer go. We all hope that letting him go mean uh, was meaning that Correa would be around a long time. Uh, but that's why the, it's so important to continue to build the farm system and have guys like Alvarez coming up and Tucker coming up and Jeremy Pena, maybe who can take spots uh, because, you know, it is going to be hard to, to uh, consistently sign you know, your big uh, best players for those long, long deals. And eventually, you know, if that happens to the Astros and three, four years into it, you know, Correa is just not what we expect. You know, the Yankees trade them, they eat the money, they go out and sign somebody else. You know, the Dodgers, they got this insane payroll, but you know, the Astros are going to have a hard time doing that. So, you know, I know click wants to be uh, smart with how he spends his money and how he can, uh, you know, probably not put too much. I mean, he'd end up, if he, if he signs Correa, which it's okay, is it, but you know, it'd have a lot of money tied up on the infield between Bregman Correa and Altuve, you know, and I'm all, I'll sit here and tell you I'm for signing Correa 100%. If, 
if James Click feels that he's, uh, you know, worthy of a $250 million contract, then go ahead and pay him because it's not my money. We can pay him whatever he wants and keep him here and keep on winning. Uh, but I also understand where he's looking at it and trying to figure out exactly where the money should go and, you know, what he's worth for, you know, what production are you going to get out of him? And um, the injuries I know can be, you know, some, one of them was the massage thing, right? Which is like a freak injury. It's not always going to happen, but unfortunately they do happen. And it, it is something that has to be considered when talking about paying a guy, you know, 250, 300 million over 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think like like you were mentioning um, a second ago about how whenever, you know, when George left, we kind of thought, well, you know, maybe that's because they know they're going to have to pay Carlos, so we can't really keep George. And I mean, they never said that, but we all kind of thought that. And that was one other thing I forgot to mention earlier was that, it, you know, we, we see the deadline come and go or Carlos's self-imposed deadline of opening day uh, to get a deal done. And it doesn't happen. We're like, great, we're going to lose. Uh, you know, we lost Cole two years ago or last or, you know, whenever that offseason was. Mm -hmm. Then we lost George this offseason. And now we're going to lose Carlos next offseason. But like you said, we just got to keep drafting well and, and, you know, getting these guys like the Tuckers, like the Alvarez's that can just, you know, jump right back up into that spot and, and give good production out of it. Yeah, for sure. And, and one thing I was saying, you know, I know he said he wouldn't negotiate in season, uh, but it makes me think if the Astros, you know, two weeks from now <laughs> yeah. said, hey, Carlos, we got a 10 year, $300 million deal. Is, yeah. is he going to say no? So, right. I, you know, I, I don't think he would. And um, I, I guess I'll, I still think that there's a good chance that they do end up finding a way to re-sign him and, and come, into a, um, come into a contract, you know, negotiation, a successful one. Um, and maybe that's just the, you know, optimism in me. But uh, hopefully they'll find a way to do right. it. Hopefully they'll, 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 you know, they'll come together. Like I said, I hope he has a, a, a really good season. We win a World Series and he gets paid what he's worth. Hopefully it's just through the Astros and they find a way to make it all work. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I I just have that feeling inside me too that that he'll end up being here, whether that's on a uh, whether be, maybe he has a bad year and he just resigns here, or he has a great year in the World Series, and that's just like you know the dream perfect scenario. But I just can't see Carlos in another uniform right now. You know, yep, with yep, Garrett, man, he was I mean, the he was the savior man. He was the the yeah. number one overall pick the first year we got the number one pick in 2012. Yep. You know, the captain we. We got to find a way. To, we got to find a way to keep him. We got to keep him. Yeah, we, we, we just got to. I mean, like we knew George was going to go. We just knew it. We didn't want him to because, you know, George is basically like the leader of that team, you know, if not necessarily by by production, but just by, you know, being goofy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and everything that he did. He was great, you know, but but we were all prepared for George to leave. I don't think any of us are prepared for Carlos to leave. Yeah, and especially not a 26 year old Carlos Correa. You know, it was like you said, it was a 31 year old uh, George Springer or 30, how exact, however old he is, but not a 26 year old shortstop who doesn't even feel like he's really hit his prime yet. You know, it still feels like he's, it still feels like the potential we haven't seen. You know, we've seen glimpses of it, we've seen some good seasons. But he's just—he's got so much in him. And then, and then one one last thing on it too is and we've been hitting on the offense. He's such a good defensive shortstop, yes. you know. And and that's one of those things that you know, if he isn't here anymore, you probably are going to look at and say, "Damn, I miss how good Correa was defensively," you know, because we see him make plays that just seem routine, but that other guys mess up all the time. And it may be, you know, it may be a, a ball that he's just running in on and fielding and throwing on the run, and he makes it look so easy. Um, and, and that's another thing that will factor into to his free agency is, uh, or his contract talks is how good he is defensively. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's got the best arm of any shortstop in baseball right now. Yeah, for sure. So in our next segment, we're going to look at some prospects that uh, made the team out of spring training. 
uh, kind of see what contributions they may have and then uh, look at some prospects that may help the Astros later in the season. And welcome back in here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to look at a couple prospects that might be able to help the team later this season, but also talk about a few guys that made the team out of spring training um, and what their contributions are going to be for the Astros this year. And we've already seen it uh, so far. Really, we saw it today. We saw Chas McCormick with the big home run, his first home run of his career. And then we saw Brandon Belock uh, go out and toss 4.2 innings to close out the game um, and look, you know, looked really, really good doing it. So, you know, Chas McCormick, a guy who uh, is 26 years old, so he's a little older for, you know, your typical rookie prospect. But I think the Astros fans are really going to enjoy watching him play. He's got a, a very good understanding of the strike zone. Uh, he draws some walks. He, he doesn't strike out a ton, has a little bit of power, very good defensively in the outfield. And uh, not to overreact to his hot start so far, but I think he's a guy that is going to get a lot of time this year in the outfield. And Astros fans are going to be you know very pleasantly surprised uh, with the production that they get from him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, he's a guy that you turned me on to um, a few months back, just letting me know about him and, you know, that he could end up, you know, making the team out of spring training, uh, helping us out and everything. But like you said, he's he's a good, versatile player to have as well, especially right now since, I mean, I know Miles Straw is playing center field, but he's not the answer in center field long term. We don't think unless he just goes out and has an amazing season. But, you know, I mean, McCormick could slide into there eventually at some point. I know he's more of a corner outfielder, but he can play center field. Um, and like you said, he has great strike zone discipline, doesn't K a lot. He's got some power like we saw today. I mean, we were just destroying the ball in Oakland uh, this weekend. And his home run today was amazing to see. I was super happy for him. His first big league home run. You saw that that little smile of his once he knew it was going out right before he got to second base. You saw that smile. So you knew he was pretty happy about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited for him. Yeah. And to be able to get that kind of uh, contributions from the young guys already, you know, and get you know, really get the uh, the monkey off of his back when it comes to getting that home run out of the way, getting those hits out of the way. And now he can just go up to the plate and be comfortable and go out there and play baseball, you know. Um, but to have the contributions from him in the outfield and replace – or in place of Michael Brantley, and then, boom, you throw Bannon Belock at the end of the game who closes it out with 4.2 uh, scoreless innings like we talked about earlier. You know, and, and he's I – mean, if you watch the game, his stuff looked really good today. His fastball is up to 95. And if he can continue – uh, pitching like that, man, the, the Astros are going to get some, some pretty big contributions from some of these young guys, you know, and that's without, you know, we're not, we haven't even mentioned uh, Luis Garcia yet, who's going to mm -hmm. be starting and uh, you know, and he's got, he, he pitched well at times last year. And, you know, if they continue to get uh, the contributions from these young guys and, and, you know, on top of the top seven of the lineup that we've discussed, you know, that's, we've talked about it before, but that's how you build a consistent contender is you have your stars and then you have guys coming up from the minors that contribute, fill in and, and fill those holes and continue to, you know, just make the club successful. Yeah. You supplement your stars and your all-stars with these, with these guys that are coming up and just your solid everyday players. But yeah, like we mentioned earlier uh, in the segment about, or I'm sorry, in this episode about um, Brandon Belex, just his season debut today and just how amazing it was. I mean, four and two thirds just not, didn't give up anything just amazing especially the fact that we really needed that after Christian Javier you know he didn't last very long the other day McCullers ended up going five innings but there was that worry at that point as well and then today um, with our kitty you know he wasn't able to get 
completely through five innings. So just being able to have someone like that that you can count on. Uh, and, you know, like you said earlier, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but and it is only the first series of the season and everyone's going to have their ups and downs uh, at some point this year. But man, if we can count on him for spot starts like that, or I'm sorry, um, not necessarily spot starts, but just coming in whenever we really need to save those bullpen arms. That's just, that was just amazing. I mean, Chaz and, um, and um, I'm sorry, Chaz and Belak just had a great day today. Yep. Yep. And if, if we can, like I said, we continue to get contributions from, from them like that, but also from other guys, you know, it's, it's early in the season, there's going to be injuries. Uh, guys are going to go down on the, on the injured list. We're going to have to see other prospects coming up, which kind of brings me to our next point is the Astros have some guys who are going to be ready to contribute. And I'm not talking, you know, a 28 year old who's coming in, who's been a relief pitcher in AAA for four years. I mean, we got, you know, top prospects, top pitching prospects, that are going to be pitching in AAA this year. And, and a guy that I know we're both big fans of is Tyler Ivey. Um, you know, we talked about him last week about how excited we are to see him pitch this year after not being able to, you know, pitch in the minors last year. And he's a guy that I think is going to be able to come up and, and help if the Astros end up suffering some kind of injury in the rotation. Oh, I agree. I mean, we talked about Tyler Ivey last week. Um, I'm super high on him. One thing about Ivy that even if he doesn't make it um, at some point during the season, which I, I absolutely think he will, we can add him to the playoff roster at the end of the year. And he could, his stuff has that, um, uh, he has the ability to, you know, basically become like a high leverage reliever if we really need him to. He can play, man. And, and I know he's going to be starting off in the minors this year. He'll be down there for a little bit. And he may not even be the first guy that we get called up. Uh, to get called up, but man, he is going to be someone that the Astros fans are really going to love. Um, he's a local guy. He's a Texas guy. He went to A&M. Um, so it, it's all right there for him, but his stuff is really good. He can be a starter. He can be a high leverage reliever. Um, he's just a guy that I really think we're going to see at some point this year and the fans are just going to love him. Yeah. And uh, just a quick teaser, if everything goes according to plan, we should have uh, Tyler Ivy on next week. So you know, right. that'll, that'll be good. We'll, we'll get some questions and we'll uh, we'll make sure we, we have a good talk with him. Uh, another guy that I think uh, could potentially come up this year. Once again, he's not going to he's not going to be your, your typical prospect. That's 22 years old coming up. Uh, but but Alex Degote, uh 26 years old, had a had a, a good 2019 season in triple A, hit 277, had 15 homers, plays all over the infield. Uh, but in, he had a really good 2021 spring training. He uh, he hit 375 five walks, five strikeouts, a uh, couple doubles. And, and he's a guy that you know, we saw the, the past couple of years where like a Jack Mayfield had to come up and get some, some spot starts when someone went down, um, you know, and get some time in the infield. And I think Degote is going to be a guy who is probably going to have an opportunity to come up at some point this year, get some time in the infield at the major league infield um, and probably will be ready. He, he had, like I said, he had success in, in, uh, in spring training against some major league pitchers. So he's another guy on top of, of Tyler Ivey that may be able to, you know, uh, come up pretty quick and give some more young, you know, rookie contributions to the Astros. Yeah, his versatility puts him right at the top of the list, and I think you're right. Um, if, if we need a bat, especially an infield bat, for any reason, um, he will be the guy that gets called up. And like you said, he had a pretty good spring training. He's gotten the taste of it. So, I mean, him, Ivy, we've got one on each side. We've got one bat. We've got one arm. Um, those are two guys that fans are going to see this year. Yep, for sure. Uh, and that kind of brings us to our next point. So the AAA season got pushed back a little bit. Uh, looks like they're going to be, if everything stays the same, they should be, be uh, open today, should be May 6th. Uh, but the interesting thing about the way that the, the minor league season is structured this year, 
is there's they should be playing 120 games. Triple A will play six uh, a six game series either all on the road or all at home against the same team with a Wednesday off. So basically, they'll start a series on Thursday and they'll end that series on the next Tuesday. They'll have Wednesday off. That'll be the travel day. And then they'll continue to do that. So, you know, you're going to, they're going to end up playing six games against, you know, the same team all at home in a row and then boom, go on the road for a week, which I think is actually going to be pretty, uh, pretty fun to watch, to be honest. And double A and, and lower is essentially following the same. They're starting May 4th. Their off day is going to be a Monday. So they'll start a series on a Tuesday. They'll go around to a Sunday. Boom. Monday's their travel day. And that's the way the season's going to go. And I don't know if this – some of this is probably because of COVID, but I think you're going to end up seeing this a lot moving forward. Yep. It's, it's a, an entire day off for the entire league. So teams are able to set their, their pitching staffs, their rosters. Um, and I think it makes it easier, too, when it comes to, like, injuries and stuff, managing, knowing that, you know, every single team has that same day off every single week. And, and you can – you know, the managers in AA and below and AAA even, you know, can, can plan around those days. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you uh, told me about that, I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And the more I thought about it, the more I wondered if we could see that in the majors at some point. You know, I do agree with you. And it probably is because of COVID, and if not the only reason uh, that being it because of COVID. But it's still an interesting, um, interesting way to look at things, especially whenever you've got guy like we're off tomorrow. Right. And then we play Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, there's some teams that aren't off on Monday and they go right into the Tuesday game. And then some that are that aren't. You know what I mean? So it, it would get. It would be an interesting, um, interesting way for for baseball to uh, to do something like that. I don't know that they'll ever do it at the major league level, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be fun to watch. It'll it'll make it a little bit easier on me because I'll I'll know uh, on Mondays the the recap that'll be posted on Tuesday mornings will literally have one team in it, and it'll be the Sugarland Skeeters because all the other minor league teams will be off. So that'll make things a little bit easier. But yeah, right. so I'm really looking forward. <laughs> to May 4th, and it's not for the Star Wars jokes and all that. Uh, it's, it's just for the start of minor league season. It's been, you know, since the end of 2019 that we've seen some minor league baseball. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm ready to just get back out at the ballpark. I, I love the atmosphere of minor league games. I love going down to Corpus Christi. I'm really excited to go try out the, uh, you know, Sugar Land and see how that is. But just the, the, the vibe you get at minor league games, I really enjoy, man. And I, I can't wait to get back down to Corpus this year. I got a lot of good friends down there, a lot of people that I've met through through all this stuff that I've done. Um, and, man, I, I just – I can't wait for May to get here. Oh, yeah, I bet, man. And like you just said, you know, our AAA team is now in Sugarland. Just depending on where you are, you, it, it could be upwards of – or just over an hour away or even less than an hour away, depending on where you are around Houston because it's just right over there off 59 in Sugarland. So much closer than Round Rock, but, you yeah. know – that's going to be really cool to see um, our AAA team right down the street from where they're going to hopefully be playing it someday at Minute Maid. Right. Yeah, I felt blessed last year to have the uh, – or last couple of years, you know, to have the Astros and AA and Corpus and AAA and Round Rock. But to get yeah. AAA literally in our backyard is going to be freaking <laughs> right. awesome, you know. And, and then also, too, I think it's it's going to be nice for the Astros, right? If uh, a player gets injured and needs to have a couple of rehab games, he doesn't have to go all the way down to Corpus. He literally drives over to Sugar Land plays a couple of games there and then boom, he's right back with the Astros. You know, it's going right. to, it's going to be nice, but it's also going to be nice for just the Houston area fans. Cause if Altuve or somebody has to end up having a rehab, you're going to get to go see him in a minor league stadium, you know? And, and I always enjoyed that there. I've, I've been down to, to uh, Corpus, you know, when Springer was rehabbing or Gurriel or Altuve, and it's really fun to watch them play with like the prospects. You know, you got a guy, an uh, MVP winner, 
here who's playing with a guy who's 21 years old and has been in the minor leagues for two years, you know, and it, it, it's just fun to watch that interaction between the young guys and the veterans and um, yeah, just getting it, getting the triple a team back here and then just getting the minor league season back is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Right. And for those uh, that have kids that have never been to the uh, Sugarland Skeeter stadium, um, the, uh, I believe it's called Constellation Field. At least mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, out there in center field, they have like basically a water park for the kids to play at. You know, it's a really cool park. The kids will love it. it it'll be great to have them just 45 minutes away from Minute Maid. Yeah, definitely. I plan on uh, last year. Obviously, I didn't. We, there was no games to go to the year before. I did go out to Round Rock a few times, but I definitely plan on taking more trips out to, to Sugarland this year. Uh, taking the kids out there, taking the family, and then you know meeting up with whoever wants to go to a minor league game and talk some some minor league baseball. So that'll be fun. I've done that a couple times in Corpus, where I've met some people that you know just were fans of the minor league system as well. But to be in the Houston area to have people that you know want to meet up at a game and just talk baseball for three hours. Um, that's something I'm, I'm willing to do. I, I'm, I'm sure you are too. And, and we can, yeah. you know, hopefully try to schedule something like that at some point. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. So that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo H O U on Twitter for blogs, merch, video podcasts, and more original Houston sports content, not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.